Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Blog Talk Radio. And this is Wrestling Geek Alliance. Geek Wrestling Alliance. I forgot. You know, I just woke up from a nap. I try to do this professional every time. It doesn't always come out that way. Um, But anyways, Chris, how's it going, man? It's going good, man. How about you? Well, I just fucked up the intro, but that's all right. At least we get to listen to a little bit of uh, Finn Balor's music. And I guess uh, we can go into a little mini topic that's not on the thing. Um, Apparently, he's healing up well, man. Uh, He's been working on his entrance, and he's getting ready to be uh, ring uh, prone soon. Uh, it was a funny little uh, tweet that he sent out with um, Seth Rollins of, like, Happy Valentine's Day, and both of them were, like, held up at the doctors. Like, one was nursing there, although obviously Seth was nursing his uh, knee. And, uh, yeah, I think that we're going to get Finn sometime soon. Um, do you think that there's a possibility that, he'll be back uh, at the next pay-per-view. I forgot what it's called. Um, or do you think that he might be coming back WrestleMania, or do you think later on than that? Well, the next pay-per-view is Fastlane, right? So That's right. if he comes back, he'll have to come back before then. I mean, you got to build him up at WrestleMania unless you're just going to have him interfere in someone's match or make a big save for somebody, which is possible. Um, we, I mean, I don't know. It, it would be surprising if he came back by WrestleMania. Um, not because of his injury, just because well, what are they going to do Where with it? More problem. Yeah, no, and I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think it would be cool. I don't know if they, how fans would feel about this. If possibly whoever he would be feuding with, maybe it would be Samoa Joe. So say, all right, so say, you know, I'm fantasy booking right now. All right, so say Samoa Joe and Sami Zayn end up having a match at. Uh, whatchamacallit, and to set up Samoa Joe and Finn Balor, Finn Balor pulls an Undertaker, rips up through the ring, and fucking takes out Samoa Joe. I just realized the only problem with that is that there's going to be matches afterwards, and that's usually the final match in which they would do that. I don't know, but that could be at least a uh, a playground for Finn Balor maybe to make an entrance um, going after Samoa Joe. I don't really know who, know who else you pair him against. Uh, he doesn't really have a rivalry with anyone. Seth Rollins is now 
a baby face, and he's flipped uh, and also hurt currently. So I don't know if you'd be able to go with that. But either way, I can't wait to have Finn Balor back. Um, huge fan of his. Uh, you know, he really intrigued me when I started getting into wrestling. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Obviously the weird face paint. I'm obsessed with guys like that, you know. I was a big Warrior fan when I was little, but more so with, like, Sting and Muda. Um, you know, I, I've always liked that concept. So the flair, the entrance, everything. I've been watching all of his matches on the network and some of his uh, New Japan stuff. Uh, really good wrestler. Can't wait to get him back. Uh, I love that. Shelton Benjamin is going to be probably checking in soon. Tajiri is going to be on his way. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good talent uh, coming back to WWF. We're just going to find room for him. Hopefully with the brand split, there's a reason for that. Um, it warrants having these guys creatively come back. But, I mean, man, can you imagine Akira Tawaza going at it with uh, Tajiri? Like, that would be great seeing, seeing their interaction in the ring. There would be a lot of fun matches we can have with a lot of those guys coming back. And I hope Seth Rollins comes back. I don't think he's going to be ready for WrestleMania. Do you? Honestly, no. Uh, the way that they've been promoting WrestleMania and kind of steering clear of showing some kind of like update statuses of Seth Rollins and, and things of that nature makes me feel like they're 50, 50 on it. Um, and even some of like that Samojo's last interview, there was some things that made it seem kind of like they were 50, 50 on the fact that Seth Rollins is going to be there or not be there. Hopefully he doesn't come back too early and hurt himself worse. Uh, that would be you know the worst case scenario. Just come back too early and then ruin your knee or what's left of his knee at this point. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Don't it's kind of crazy to think about. But, uh, yeah, I mean, another story you could do with Finn Balor is have him, like, if you if you, there's this rumor of the heel faction going on, if they're jumping Goldberg, you could have him make the save on Goldberg and then set up several matches from there. So there's plenty of stuff to do with Finn. It's just a matter of yeah. uh, whether he's ready to come back and what their plans are for him in the future. I'm assuming he's still going to be a babyface because they just don't have anyone. With Rollins being out, they pretty much have Sami Zayn, who they've made look like a nerd for, <laughs> for months. So, no kidding. Um, who knows? Yeah, I mean, basically, even uh, we don't know when Y2J is going to be back involved with anything. Um, he could be potentially a baby face because of him and uh, KO's obviously interaction we're going to get into. Um, but who knows? Uh, that whole entire villain faction um, – very intriguing. But let's go through uh, Elimination Chamber, Raw, and SmackDown. We'll go over our, our topics. Um, so Elimination Chamber, I'm going to kind of go through some of these quickly. We'll highlight certain ones. Uh, it started off pre-show, technically, with Mojo Raleigh uh, defeating Kurt Hawkins via, via pinfall. Um, Mojo pulled, like, a, an ultimate warrior type of, like, you know, hulking up type of thing in the middle of the match. Really enjoyed it. I think that he's got a lot of potential. He's got a lot of energy. He could be, you know, a next good wrestler, uh, or he could just be like a football player who doesn't, doesn't work out uh, and is too stiff. We don't know yet. Uh, I don't want to go into too much. I just thought it was funny that he is Zack Ryder's current partner, and Kurt Hawkins obviously is Zack Ryder's older partner. So it's weird how they paired them off. I don't. I I was kind of hoping that, you know, I guess because it's a pre-show they didn't, but I was hoping that Zack Ryder would interfere and screw over one of them maybe Mojo to create, you know, some type of thing, but they didn't do that. It was kind of just a throwaway match. Uh, a couple words on that. Yeah, is, is Ryder back one and then two? Like, I mean, no. I, I literally, the notes for this match for me, it was not a very good match. I 
wrote Mojo Raleigh pins Kerr Hawkins. So <laughs> that was about yeah. how into that match I was. Uh, and it, it's not their fault necessarily. It's a, Mojo works well as a tag team wrestler. Him and Zack Ryder work better as a tag team. I don't, I don't ever see that guy being a big deal. Um, I could be wrong. Maybe he proves me wrong. That'd be awesome for SmackDown. But right now he kind of just falls into like, uh, we don't know what we're doing with this guy. Let's throw him on the pre-show. So especially with the Kurt Hawkins feud, like half of that feud is over Twitter. So unless you're following these dudes, you're not going to know that, you know, Kurt Hawkins has made jokes about Rob Gronkowski to Mojo Raleigh, who they're apparently friends or something. So it's like, unless you like go into detail about why they hate each other on the show, like, no, you're losing half your audience, I would think. So, um, doesn't seem like I, I didn't like his high energy, and like I said, I like that uh, um, that build up he had towards the end. But yeah, it was it was a throwaway match. I mean, it, let's call it what it is. It was on the pre pay per view, um, but getting to the next match, uh, one that actually had a little bit of uh, it was it was definitely a better match. Uh, we got to see the return of Mickey James in the ring against Becky Lynch. She defeated her uh, by fin, pinfall, and like it seemed like you know. Mickey James is like dominating uh, Lynch most of the match, and um, working on Lynch's left arm, um, and then hitting the uh, what is it the the Mick kick or whatever that uh, yeah, and then you know caused to go to the ropes. Um, that gave uh, Lynch an open opportunity with the tables. It was it was a good it was a good match. She basically beat her one two three. Obviously, it turned around on her um, at SmackDown. Because uh, they had a rematch, uh, but how did you feel about the match? The match itself was uh, pretty good. I mean, honestly, it, I, I thought it was a decent match. Um, I thought they could have did a little more with Mickey James coming back after you know fighting Oscar oh. in NXT. And but uh, there was some good announcing at the beginning of this. Atunga so was talking about it being the new generation versus the previous generation, and JBL kind of buried him and was like, "She just left seven years ago, bro. It's like she's not that old. Calm down." She's not like Sting coming back. Yeah, so I thought that was good <laughs> that he kind of buried that because they don't need to like treat Nikki Gaines like she should be retired. Um, they need to treat her more like she went and made a name for herself other places and then came back. So I, I enjoyed that. I was I was kind of hoping for more in the match. Um, the the schoolboy pin for the win makes sense because it seems like they're going to build off this feud. Uh, maybe Mickey will be like, you know, you beat me but you didn't really actually beat me. And they're kind of making Nikki seem like that kind of wrestler right now in her current. The cur- currently, the way she's being booked, when we get into SmackDown, I guess we can talk about that a little bit more. And then after that match, I kind of hooked these two things together. This Carmella and James Ellsworth thing, <laughs> the luxury suite that went on the entire night with Dasha, of all people, uh, being the interviewer, was just absolutely terrible. If I could, if I could say anything about this show it was just the drizzling shit, it was that. Like any time they cut to those two, I wanted to vomit. It was just terrible. Nothing about it was good. But there was not one part of that that elevated any storyline, and it kind of just made James Ellsworth and Carmella seem completely stupid. You work for the fucking company. Like why? Why would you be sitting in a luxury box at a pay per view? That's I mean that's shit's dumb too. It's like when wrestlers show up late for their job. Like when they show up in the limo, like, midway through the show, like, I never understood that. It's kind of, it's kind of like, hey, I'm late by two hours. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I, I hated that. But 
that that kind of brought down the match for me as well because I was like, oh, okay, we got a schoolboy pinfall, and then I'm staring at these two. So that's where I was at with that. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I don't really know the point of uh, James Ellsworth. Uh, you know, me defending WWE a lot of time when it comes to wasting talent and not wasting talent, in my opinion on that. If someone were to be like, well, what about all the guys that they've not really given a chance to or haven't picked up and they gave James Ellsworth fucking this much screen time? And that's a good counter. That's all I have to say. That's a pretty damn good counter because I have no idea what the fuck his purpose is. He's not charismatic. He's not really funny. He barely can work the mic at all. Like the whole like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. What she said. What she said. It's like he's saying fucking lines from a from a from a Titan from like a like a cue card or some shit. Like, ugh. I don't. Well, see, I don't the, dif- the difference was is you had like him working with top tier talent and being a sympathetic baby face, like a guy that you had no chance in winning pretty much, you know, and, and he was coming out on top. So they were building it that way. And be fair, that first promo he had against Braun Strowman, where he was like, any man with two hands has a chance. Got him the fuck over. <laughs> Which you can say more about that than Dolph Ziggler. Fucking Ziggler has been on the roster for forever. And he's never been as over as James Ellsworth. So <laughs> I, I just shit on this segment because I, I don't understand booking him with her. Unless you're going to have a Carmella James Ellsworth match, which <laughs> would be pretty damn funny, actually. So hopefully oh, they're building man. to that. I don't know. <laughs> well, I hope that's true, and I hope Dave James Ellsworth is uh, checking out Andy Kaufman's uh, work in the past, fighting females, to get some notes <laughs> for it. Uh, let's go on with that. Actually, a match that was a lot of fun to watch, uh, the tag team match, uh, the turmoil match, or whatever the fuck bullshit. You know, I like the tag teams in SmackDown, I will say. And this was a fun match, but these ways that they're getting all the fucking tag teams to go against each other instead of having just two separate matches is kind of stupid, to me, at least. Um, but America Alpha defeats the Ascension. Uh, it was just a fun match. Uh, do you have, like, a play-by-play? Play? Uh, more so, I haven't seen the match since Sunday itself. I just know, obviously, uh, some of the spots, but you got anything else? Yeah, I mean, Brazengo versus Heath Slater and Reiner, Rhino, I, I, Reiner and, Rhino and Slater won the match, obviously. Rhino hit the gore um, midway through the match off a couple, so couple of hot tags. And that, that, that match was actually probably, the, to me, in my opinion, was the best of each of these matches. And it, I think it kind of hurt <laughs> some of these other tag teams a little bit. But that was, I mean, that was a good match. They had a couple hot tags. Um, Heath Slater did a really good job at selling at the beginning of the match. And then as soon as that's over, they had a... Uh, the Vaudevillians. The Vaudevillians and Slater and Rhino, if I remember, they met them basically at ringside and started that match. And then they came back into the ring for the tag team. Once again, I believe Rhino hit the gore, got the pin. Um, the combined total of these matches... The running time, I think, is, I got it 6:45, so it's been six minutes and 45 minutes, or six six minutes and 45 seconds of the match, and, and Rhino and Slater won two times, which gives me hope that they're going to try to keep them together for a little bit because they're not letting them lose easily. I don't know if it was to appease the fans or to keep them on in case American Alpha doesn't work out the way they want them to, or or what. And then you had the Usos, and um, the Usos came out. And they eliminated uh, Slater and Rhino, which sets up Alpha, uh, the American Alpha versus the Usos, which is going to be the big feud. Um, yep. 
So, you know, they, they ended up, they ended up winning or American Alpha ended up winning um, in this spot. And then they got jumped uh, at ring or at ringside. I think they threw Jordan into the ring, like into a ring post and then just kind of just continued to beat up Gamp, uh, Gable and Jordan after that. Uh, and then the Ascension came out and the Ascension's been getting some time on TV lately as well. And um, that, this was actually a pretty good match. Those guys kind of have some chemistry together. Uh, it, it worked. I, the Ascension is not afraid to take these big uh, suplexes. They're taking like over the head suplexes and German release oh, suplexes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they haven't been doing, American Alpha hasn't been doing that with some of the smaller tag teams as much. They're still doing it, but not as much. And it seems like uh, they had, they revisited this match on SmackDown, which I thought was also pretty good. The total match was about 21 minutes long. And um, I mean, given the rules and how quick the pins were in between teams, um, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it's it's a little different. It was fun. Uh, it, it's different. It's a different way to handle it, and it, it's it. The idea was to, which they didn't talk about. This is more of a problem with the announcers, not the wrestlers in the ring. Was an American Alpha was the ones who requested this. It wasn't like this was put against them in some heel way. They just challenged all of the tag teams, and it came out in this format. If they would have sold it better on the announce booth, it would have it would have made American Alpha look a little better. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I have for that match. I think I, they're going for this Ascension push out of nowhere, which is which is fine. Um, they're just I don't know. They need to they need to carry themselves like they're more badass. Maybe have them jump some people or something because they're big dudes. But like when they come in these matches, you're so used to seeing them lose that it's just not. It's not as believable as it should be. Maybe that's why they screwed up having them in the villains always be the uh, jokes. Uh, now that we're supposed to take them seriously. Um, but uh, one thing I noticed about the pay-per-view in general, uh, and I don't know if you noticed this too, I'm not going to say they weren't pulled off well. I just thought I saw way too much of spots involving a superplex. Uh, that was a big thing I saw throughout the whole night. And people getting jumps uh, was something that they did more than once. Um, did that did that bother you at all? Um, not not as bad because it wasn't really deciding matches. With with people getting jumps, it's more like when it's constantly deciding matches that it bothers me. Uh, you know, the Usos if they, if they have a storyline for that, which obviously once we get to SmackDown, we'll talk more about that, but. The Usos jumping American Alpha, they've been building that for a while. So I kind of had no problem with that. The, as far as the superplex spots, it seems like they have one in every match now. It's like a, it's like a WWE requirement. So I don't know if I'm numb to it or, or not. I used to like when, uh, which we talked about this last week, but when Kevin Owens would reverse that into like almost like a inverted muscle buster or something, I thought that was kind of cool because it gave them a, like, other than someone just getting knocked off and then going back up to the Superplex again later on. So I, I don't know. There's ways to change it if you want that spot. I don't think it's necessary. Like, you know, you don't have to do a Superplex every match. But it, I get no, what you're saying. That's, it doesn't seem like they do it a lot. Yeah, it's, it, that, that's the whole thing. It's repetitive. Uh, I'm not saying for even, like, with the Superplex, you know, it being dangerous, it's just kind of like – it's overdone. It's becoming like, well, the the worst one, and me and you have joked about this 
uh, nonstop as the super kick has now become a casual clothesline in the fucking WWE. Everyone does it. Ellsworth does it. KO does it. Seth Rollins does one in the stomach, in the face, on the knees, into the face. Dolph Ziggler is basically a highlight reel from Shawn Michaels' past matches constantly. Um, you know, that 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 is my biggest thing. It's just re- repetitive things that I see. I do note that, and it maybe it just bothers me a little bit. I don't know if it's OCD. I'm told I have OCD, but they could they could kind of like try not to do the same thing. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I mean I mean my question is that's pro- part of the problem with people just getting stuck in the same spot forever is because their matches are the, the same thing. So if you're if you're legitimately just doing the same thing as everyone else, you'll never you're never gonna get over. Like no one's gonna see you as original. So. That's why I like, like I said, the Kevin Owens suplex spot that he was doing was at least interesting because he was reversing it. Yep. So I, I agree, I agree with you. So many people use the damn super kick. I mean, it's it's insane. I don't even want to get started on that one again. It's like they watched the Young Bucks match and they were like, "Oh, you can do that." <laughs> you just super <laughs> kick the entire shit. match. Okay, this is gonna be an easy way to fucking book this match. Just give him a super kick at this point. Yeah, it's it's not only that, but it just completely defeats. It makes Shawn Michaels look less like. All right, well, he's like the powerfulest super kick out of all of them. Now it's like a casual move that you do. Whatever. Uh, I think the coolest way that Seth Rollins personally handled it, he did it one time and made the person fall down forward and made it go right into the pedigree. And I was like, those are two of your favorite wrestlers. You're combining moves. I like that. But he never did it again. He only did it for one spot. Uh, several weeks ago, but we'll get to the next match that I think is absolutely going nowhere. If we go back to this fantasy card uh, for WrestleMania, it's got a weird match that looks like it got set up. Uh, if you didn't notice, Nikki Bella got makeup because of Natalia all over the Miz's girlfriend. They haven't gone into that, but they're supposed to be the Miz, and I forgot what the fuck her name is, the blonde chick. Marie. Person. Yeah, and then Nikki Bella and um, John Cena. So if that's the case, it kind of set that up, but what the hell is going to happen between her and Natalia now that SmackDown doesn't, doesn't have another pay-per-view, uh, now Elimination Chamber is done, and where is this going? Why was it a double count-out? Why do they keep on fighting every five seconds? And can someone tell Nikki Bella that she needs to work on her fucking delivery a little bit? Because every time, like, oh, my God, Natty, like, seriously, like, you're just so in your own head. Like, ugh, just... Well, I mean, she is a reality TV star. She's treating it like she would treat Total Divas. Like, she's coached to handle that totally different than a wrestler now. It's a a TV show spot brought into SmackDown. Like, these two arguing, they argue like that on that Total Divas show. That's the whole fucking, they're trying to cross that over somehow. But the match itself was fucking terrible. Like, I thought it was pretty awful. It was. Um the the end of the match where them. they were uh, they had they had some reversal spots towards the end of it which I thought were pretty okay, um, and then to have it end on a count out was uh, fine I guess I don't know it just means that you're gonna get more Natalia and Nikki Bella so if everyone's fine well, with that then that's cool but it it's fine it's a, it's in the middle of a I mean it's it's just there as a this match was there as a buffer pretty much between two other matches that were pretty good. So, But if, if, if we're to believe that that, that card is, uh, you know, and everything has been lining up pretty much on that WrestleMania card, 
if she's going to have that match with uh, Miz and Maurice uh, with John Cena, and apparently this might be one of Nikki's last WrestleManias she's claiming about retiring, where the fuck are they going to finish this whole entire Nikki run? Like, before that? Like, they're going to wrap it up before WrestleMania? Like, it just seems like... Well, they got a month... They got a, they have, a, what, like a month and a half almost before WrestleMania? So I guess they're going to end it on SmackDown. I don't think anyone will be too disappointed about this just ending in a TV match. I don't necessarily know that anyone's that high on Nikki Bella at this point. If you put her with John Cena and against a good heel like The Miz and Maurice, I, I think that match makes more sense. I don't know why they decided to uh, have this feud start now. I mean, it could just end up being Nikki versus Natalia at WrestleMania. It's very possible. And they might scrap that. There's ways to handle it. I mean, Miz can still have the match with John Cena defending uh, Nikki's honor. You know, I don't know. So there's ways to handle it. But it's just this whole thing, is it was just terrible. Uh, I mean, they, they're going to have – they had the rematch on SmackDown, and Natalia being a heel the entire time has been okay. But it's uh, – I don't know. It's – they have a bunch of really good, like, female talent. Like, the other two female matches on this – was there three matches? or two, The other the other two female matches on this card were, like, 100 times better. So I hope they would look at that and go, okay, something's not working. But who knows? I hope so, too. Uh, let's talk about a match that actually was good. Uh, the next match. Um, Randy Orton defeats Luke Harper via pinfall. Um, I really enjoyed this match. There's not much of it that wasn't enjoyable. Uh, Orton had the upper hand on Harper throughout most of the match. I think he did his like little uh, pose twice. Not just once, but twice. Uh, so he was definitely confident. Then, obviously, Harper started coming back at the end. Um, he hits him with not just one, but two super kicks, and then a sit-down powerbomb. Um, they try to set up the clothesline. Uh, Randy sets up the RKO, hits him with the RKO, gets a victory. Um, now Randy's obviously going to WrestleMania. Harper's in the past. Obviously, we'll get to the rest of that for SmackDown, but that match was a lot of fun. How did you like it? I like the match. I like Luke Harper a lot. Um, they're actually letting him turn into something special if they don't, you know, screw the pooch on it, especially with his SmackDown appearance recently, um, which we'll talk about later. But uh, awesome. it was good. Orton, Orton paced this match a little slow for me. I feel like they should have had their foot on the gas at some moments where it was just Randy Orton pacing right and doing his Viper gimmick, which is fine, but it's this match could have been better, but it was still a good match, like, overall. And... um it's kind of, it kind of sucks that Harper lost here. It would have been good to have him win, um, but I don't know. They, it, they put themselves in kind of a weird spot because Orton won the Royal Rumble. So if you have him lose to Luke Harper, then it, it, it just puts you in a weird spot with booking that down the line, especially now that this entire family is kind of in a feud, the Wyatt family. So the, uh, wait, it was a good match. I, I enjoyed family? it. Should we have the, the Y family on Family Feud with Steve Harvey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. We can bring yeah, that yeah. Rowan oh. back into it. Da- Daniel Bryan can be on the opposing team. It'll be all the ex-members uh, versus Randy and um, Ray Wyatt. Then they get in a big fight, and Steve Harvey drops the people's elbow. That's, 
I'm booking right now. I'm just saying, WWE, if you want to get a hold of me, I'll get you my number. Just email me after the show. But uh, also, guys, listening, if you want to join our conversation, the uh, number is 929-477-3781. At that point, you'll be listening. Press 1 if you want to join the combo. I'll get you in here. Ask a question. We'll go over some stuff. But let's uh, finish these last. I think there's two more matches for uh, Elimination Chamber. Um, I was very happy that Naomi defeated Alexa Bliss. Um, I'm not, Alexa Bliss is, is the reason why I'm happy is because Alexa Bliss is a good heel. Uh, I don't like her. Uh, it's kind of like a misfactor. It's like she's so good at being like a little spoiled brat that I can't stand her, which is good on her end. Um, it's not that she's a shitty wrestler or anything like that, but I was very happy to see Naomi defeat her. I have a huge crush on Naomi. She's absolutely gorgeous. Not the best mic skills. It was really great to see her get emotional at the end. I love seeing that type of raw behavior. Uh, I think Bray displayed that a little bit. You know, it's, it's a huge achievement to be able to get through it and know that you're going to get the belt at the end of this match and you're going to represent the company. I just hope that they don't throw it off her and give it right back to fucking Alexa. Um, but I thought it was a good match overall. Um, nothing too memorable or anything like that, but uh, how did you like it? I like the match. I, I like the uh, – there was a spot where Naomi hit a blockbuster towards the end of that match, which I thought oh, was kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Um, there were some good good moves in this match. Uh, Naomi worked really well with Alexa Bliss, which was kind of surprising because I think people forget how tiny Alexa Bliss is. I think she weighs like 102 pounds soaking wet. So for them to pull off a very believable match going back and forth with each other was pretty, pretty great. There were some – some good spots. I mean, I don't, like I said, this match, out of the two, the three female matches, this was the better match. Um, I enjoyed it. Absolutely. And Alexa Bliss is, is good is good at being a, a heel. Um, I, I kind of like she, like, let off the gas a little bit on doing this, like, Harley Quinn gimmick that she had for a little bit there. So that's good. Uh, she was doing, like, the crazy chick gimmick like AJ Lee did almost. When she first came to SmackDown. I'm glad they took the it took that away from her and just kind of letting her just be like a spoiled brat. Um, I also love when she doesn't get the pin and then pitches a bitch fit. It's hilarious every time. She should do that like twice. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. And then Naomi um, hitting the split-legged moonsault, like, with the exception of Charlotte, there's no chicks that are or none of the female, I shouldn't say chicks, but any of the female wrestlers that are doing these, like, top rope spots like they are. Like, they're doing top rope spots or, or second rope spots. But these chicks are, they're, like, well, they're, they're going all out. Like, Naomi hitting a split-legged moonsault, that's, that's pretty impressive. And, uh, and, and granted, that spot was a little botched, <laughs> but it was still good um, nonetheless. I think uh, she was... I think that they set it up a little too far out, but other than that, it was it was a good match. I enjoyed it. I, it the interview afterwards was good. She seemed like she was genuinely excited, you know, about winning the title. Like it, it did mean a lot to her yeah, as a as a wrestler and, and what she's accomplished, coming from like being a was it a funkadactyl <laughs> to, yeah. to being the women's champion. Um, it's kind of a big deal. I mean, you know, people thought that she was just going to be a dancer for a long time. And then WrestleMania is in her hometown of Orlando, so it makes sense to set up that match there and kind of give some hometown love. But since it's in her hometown, that means that she's dropping the title, like almost 100% That's she's dropping the title. Because so. <laughs> you, you don't win in your hometown ever. They have to bury you. <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah, I, I like 
like we keep on saying. I did enjoy the match. It was a lot of fun. Let's go on to the big one, the uh, Elimination Chamber itself. I was writing notes down. I have written down for this. Holy shit, did John Cena and AJ Styles take a lot of fucking bumps in this. I mean, all of them did. But my God, those two hit metal a lot, especially AJ. With that, that I, I say whatever I want about the superplex, that spot that they had with the powerbomb into the superplex from the top, with AJ going flying like he's a fucking, like it's a slingshot and he's a rock in the middle. Awesome. <laughs> uh, just... Cena doing the double German suplex. Uh, he's one of the strongest guys. I forgot which wrestler it was. Uh, maybe it was Kane said that. Honestly, he thinks that John Cena is stronger than, than uh, Brock Lesnar. And, I mean, I can believe it because he does stuff like this all the fucking time. But still does like a fucking, you know, flip over, uh, a flip over powerbomb and stuff like that out of nowhere. Like, the, the code red? People, yeah, people talk shit about Cena all they want, but I'm a Cena fan. Um I, I don't want him to get the title again for a while. And I think that if he does that, he should probably chill for a little bit. If he's, I don't want him to be, beat uh, Nature Boy's record uh, quickly, but I'm glad they gave him the opportunity to tie it. Um, and I'm glad they also took it away from him, because if you're going to flip the belt, John Cena is a good person to flip it from than someone that's new uh, that's gained the title for like the can first I, time or something like that. Can I step in and just bury this fucking 16-time title? Like, Winning the title 16 times means that you have lost the title 16 fucking times. So the only reason that's over in general for Nature Boy is because he screams 16 times, 16 times, 16 times world champion. It's not that he's saying yeah. that he was the greatest champion of all time. It makes sense with his character. He's like a shit heel. John Cena losing the title 16 times makes it look like that you had no one else to face John Cena, but he still lost the title 16 times in 10 years. Like, Nature Boy wrestled from, like, the early 70s until, well, he was in, what, TNA in 2008 or something? So Yeah, he came back after like, his retirement, retirement. He pulled a fucking which I get, Like, you know, the reigns that you should talk about is, like, the ones, like, CM Punk had to run at, where he held the title for, like, 400 days or something and, and almost caught hope. Yes. Or, like... Or like uh, fucking Bruno San Martino's run of being champion for like years, you know. Even uh, even Bob even Bob Backlund like that stuff is more important than like yo I lost the title sixteen times. <laughs> that being said, I agree with you. John Cena should not win seventeen times, and if he does win seventeen times, it should be at like WrestleMania next year. Like save it for a big moment. Don't waste it. And then maybe have a well, maybe have that rematch be him and uh, him and AJ Styles. Who knows? I'd be, I, I'm down to see another one of those matches. Those guys don't ever let me down when they step in the ring together. So they really don't, man. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, and, and taking it a step further. Not only that, but and this will I keep on saying this, but uh, you know, difference between Nate and John Cena in general. And like I said, I'm giving him credibility still because I think John Cena is a great athlete and he deserves all of his merits, but. He's in the generation where they give the title out, go back and forth, the storyline makes it revolve and go back around a hell of a lot quicker. Nate, between what, four or five companies, he's had the world title. He's had the NWA, he's had WCW, he's had, you know, WWF. I mean, he's, that's, to me, way more impressive of a body of work when you're not thinking about it as in 16 losses, uh, you know, in general. So that's why he'll always be, on a different astral plane than anyone because 
we'll never go back to the territory days. We'll never have that many divisions of wrestling. You know, it's going to take someone to be able to go to New Japan here, Ring of Honor. TNA is going to die soon, so you know, you know what I'm saying basically. But getting back to the match itself, a lot of fun spots. Uh, first person to believe to leave. It, they went all the way, which was really cool, with no one losing until all six men were in the ring. Uh, Baron Corbin, well, technically, uh, was, technically, uh, technically, all six men were in the ring, which leads up to my favorite spot of the match, <laughs> which is Miz just not coming out of the pod. <laughs> he was oh like, my no, god! Just gonna... <laughs> I keep on saying this. Another one of my favorite wrestlers to watch is the Miz. He is one of the greatest. <laughs> Sneaky douchebag heels. He pulled a fucking Ric Flair. He was literally in that pod. They were like, come on. And then Boren Corbin gets eliminated by uh, Dean Ambrose, rolls him up. Then Miz watches in his pod while Corbin beats the shit out of Ambrose, leaving him in the ring. And then he looks around, and he's so animated about it. Like, make sure that they're both, the other two guys are knocked out, runs in the ring, pins him real quick, and then starts cheering for himself. Like, just great. Just hilarious. and then immediately gets the audience in it, which is like almost like the audience was so into him hitting those Daniel Bryan spots, which is just fucking hilarious. Awful. Yeah, the the, so the, the double kick Daniel Bryan spot, and then the the triple like uh, the running drop drop kicks, which I thought was like was funny. But yeah, I mean there was a lot of good stuff up until that point from all of the guys, but it was just funny that Miz. It was good that they put Miz in that spot because he. He kind of took some of the pressure off everybody else because they were able to work a slower, a little bit of a slower pace, and just have him do those few little spots and then get eliminated. He's just a great heel, man. I mean, he's I, he's a leading heel in the in the WWE right now. Um, definitely up there, just in general, out of all the guys I see, even over Omega and stuff. Um, he's he's just so hateable. Like you really just want to like punch him in the face. He's such a douche. Uh, which. You know, more power to him. I, I wonder if he acts like that in real life. I wonder if he breaks character and he's actually a really nice guy or if he's actually like that in real life. Um, well, I'm sure I'm sure he's actually obvious. probably a nice guy. He seems like he's a pretty nice guy in real life. But Yeah, I'm sure. You know, he's just going for a little bit of flair, a little bit of the rock, kind of put them together, and, you know, you get the Miz. Love that whole entire concept. But he's the next one to go. I don't remember who uh, defeated him, but – He's on this big streak, and then someone just knocks him out of it. Uh, Cena, he went. He went up to the top. He went up to the top rope. Cena caught him, gave him the uh, oh, attitude yeah. adjustment for the pin. Dude, I love Which that. is so weird to call that, that attitude adjustment. Attitude adjustment. Um, I do like that double attitude. Where he rolls, where he rolls through on on AJ Styles, because he knows one attitude adjustment is enough to beat AJ Styles. Yeah, that's a it's a cool <laughs> yeah. spot. Yeah, it's just, it's just fun. Uh, very, very athletic between the two of them. But then it's down to the three of them. Well, he has, to like, dead, he has I, to, like, deadlift AJ Styles off the mat, too, which is kind of impressive. Well, not deadlift, but he's picking a dude straight up off the mat from a reversal, which is onto his shoulders, which is still impressive feat of strength. I don't think anyone oh, yeah. can ever say John oh, yeah. Cena's not in shape, <laughs> like, ever. No. Was like, there was that one match where he had, like, Big Show in edge on his shoulders and gave them both an F5 and a triple threat. And I was like, what the hell is this guy doing? Yeah, I mean, he's nuts. And AJ Styles, in a different way, is also nuts with his athleticism. I mean, the, the way that he does defense and he sells moves is probably one of the best right now going. Um but, uh, yeah, so what I love is what they did is that Bray, who ends up winning, 
he pins the champion. They get rid of John Cena and put it down to Bray and AJ, but he still is able to pin the champion just so that John Cena doesn't have that up on him uh, when, it, when it comes to him getting the title, which I thought was really cool. It goes between him and AJ back and forth, uh, and Bray inevitably wins. Um, and then Randy comes out. They both look at the WrestleMania thing. There's a lot of, like, cheering for Bray. You deserve it was said. I think that was very true. Uh, how did you like the ending? Were there any other spots before we move on to the next show? No, the ending was great. Uh, I I mean, we kind of knew it was coming, but other than that, it was it was great. Eliminating John Cena first, I think, is important. Because it shows he can be beaten, you know. And he gets so much heat. If he was the last guy in, people would have turned on that match. But when he got, came out, like when he came out at that spot, everybody knew that. I was kind of hoping he would lose earlier in the match. But when he lost there and he came out and you had AJ Styles, which is obviously a fan favorite, and, and Bray Wyatt, who's slowly, I think, becoming a fan favorite again. We'll see. Um, knowing that one of them was going to get the title, I think, got the crowd back into it. That's a hard match to have because there's so many big spots you have and there's so much going on. And uh, it's one of the better Elimination Chamber matches I can remember. I know a lot of people yeah. are pissed about the structure changing, but I thought it was a good match. Didn't the structure changing add those bars that, that connected the whole thing that they were climbing on? Well, they, the, floors aren't, the, the floors aren't metal on the side anymore. They're wood, and then they have padding over top of them. Like, I guess a lot of people just want to see wrestlers get killed. So, yeah, what the fuck? They, 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 they changed it because it was too heavy to hang from most fucking arenas. Like, the thing weighed so much that it became like a hazard to hang from the ceiling. So that's why they changed it. But crashing down. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so that's why. So Corbin was eliminated first, Ambrose second, Miz third. That was a 23 minutes. So that match was 23 minutes before you got your third elimination. And then uh, Cena was eliminated shortly after. And then Styles, of course, at the end. I think Meltzer gave it four stars, and it looks like Keller gave it four stars. So I mean, it was a, it was a good match, and. A lot of that match was carried with AJ Styles and John Cena, of course. Those two just have some kind of weird chemistry with each other that I haven't seen with John Cena and anyone else. So it's, it's interesting. I think it says a lot to Styles and his ability to sell and uh, also work the way that John Cena works. John Cena calls all this shit in the ring, so you also have to be able to account for that. Like the, well, A lot of John Cena's matches are on the fly. So the fact that Styles can do that is Which is awesome. Which which is the fact that people talk shit about him as a wrestler, you know, go fuck off. Like who's doing that still? That's like a it's becoming an ancient art, honestly. Um Yeah, I mean other than like your New Japan guys and your Ring of Honor guys, most of, most people are trying to plan out the match beforehand. And and part of that is like your time limit. Like you know that it's Orton yeah. That Orton Luke Harper match had to be under twenty like twenty minutes or something. I think it was 18 minutes even. So like, you know, they know when they need to wrap that shit up, which is why that thing picked up towards the end. I think if it would have been at that pace, most of the match, it would have been a better match. But that was a good match, too. And Luke Harper's promo going into that match on the last SmackDown I thought was really good. So okay. I'm excited to see what they do with him. Me too. All right, well, yeah, I would I would say that it was definitely a, a beneficial, not throwaway pay-per-view. Um and I think that they've been doing a great job of, of giving us pretty good pay-per-views. Not all the matches will be 100% or anything like that, but I've been enjoying the WWF this last year that I've uh, rejoined wrestling, if you will. So it's 
keep on going. Um, it's on to Monday Night Raw. All right. Um, wow. Robin, uh, we have Stephanie out in the ring, being Stephanie. Um, Roman Reigns comes out demanding um, Von Strowman. Then, for some reason, Gallows and Anderson comes out and to back Stephanie, which maybe is the reason why I think that he might be involved with his uh, parents' stable. Um, and uh, then they challenge him to a handicap match. Um, and they lose via disqualification. Um, or maybe maybe it was a Robin that lost? I, I don't remember. What I'm trying to say is basically one thing, get rid of fucking handicap matches. Like, it's so dumb. Um, how'd you like this whole thing? I thought it was kind of whatever. The one bright spot of this is Roman Reigns didn't act like he was invincible and was happy about being in this match. He kind of sold that he was like, man, come on. Like, seriously, I was like two dudes. Like, he seemed like he, he, he didn't, he didn't like no sell the fact he was going to be in a handicap match, which I appreciate because that's the tag team champions. You don't want to bury them. So the DQ makes sense here, and they jumped him after the after the, after the match, which is fine. They set up a magic killer. Reigns kicked out of it. Superman punch, and then I believe he kicked the chair out of Anderson's hands, and they just ran away. So you you didn't get like yeah. Reigns really doing any kind of damage to them, but now he has the threat of like, okay, are these guys going to attack me again? Kind of thing. So I thought it was fine. Um. Uh. It's weird they went with that after the Samoa Joe Roman Reigns match and uh, Braun Strowman's yeah. interference, but who knows? I kind of half expected all... like. What are you saying? I said I half expected Strowman interfere in this match and then just help them jump Roman Reigns. To be completely honest, and then Roman get zero offense. That would have been the way I would have booked it. I think that you could do that. But then they had a match set up with Strowman and Henry later, so it ended up working out okay. Yeah. Now, and I mean, it, it was what it was, basically. Um, I'm going to go through these next, like, four, just get them knocked out real quick. Um, well, the whole – the first one, I thought they had a, uh opportunity to, like, put over Bo Dallas a little bit and kind of put a kink in the New Day. And I thought that was the direction they were going. And then they just went back to Kofi Kingston defeats uh, Bo, and I, it's whatever to me. I'm gonna I'm gonna state four of them, and then we'll kind of go over all four of them. Um, and then next match after that was Jack Gallagher. He defeated uh, Gnome Dar with a pinfall. Interesting cat to watch, man. Uh, I love his whole entire gimmick. It's ridiculous, but it's so ridiculous that it's like kind of enjoyable. And then uh, that stupid fucking makeover of Emma. To I, I don't even know her beforehand. And now I already don't like her because of whatever the hell that was. And then Braun Strowman uh, defeating Mark Henry, which was not a bad match, but sucks that Mark's a giant, like, punching bag now. Uh, It seems to kind of use him every so often just to, like, well, I mean, he's an older wrestler, so it makes sense that they use him to put other people over. But regardless, go to the top. Uh, How did you feel about those four matches? All right, the Bo Dallas-Kofi Kingston match. I like that even though Bo was clearly put there to be an enhancement to this thing, just to put New Day over since they don't have anything for them to do right now, basically. He ripped the ice cream blueprint up, which I thought was hilarious. And Big E sold how sad he was about it, <laughs> which was great. And it was total heel move, so it made you want to cheer for the New Day, um, which was good. I mean, uh, it was fine. It was a three-minute match. So 
Austin Aries um, constantly being on commentary. I wish they would have done another interview with se- segment with him, uh, like they have in the past, where he actually interviews like Neville or something. Instead of they, like, I think they had someone else interview Neville. Uh, and uh, what was the notes on this? An unidentified woman interviewed Neville, meaning I don't know who this bitch is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> interviewed Neville and, and him and Jack Gallagher got kind of into it, but he kind of he doesn't bury Jack Gallagher, but he kind of does. He's like he's more worried about facing T.J. Perkins, which the idea of that was they have a match. They had a match on 205 Live, I guess after <laughs> SmackDown. Him and Kevin Perkins, which Neville retained. I know we don't talk about 205, but Neville, of course, retained the title in that match. Oh yeah. But it was kind of, it was kind of like a spot where it's like, well, who are you building for this? Are you guys building the guy you're putting on TV, or are you building random TJ Perkins? So that was kind of weird. Um, and I, I, I liked, I thought for a while there they were building Austin Aries versus Neville at WrestleMania with uh, Aries just slowly getting under his skin, which I thought was hilarious. Like, he's the best interview guy they have besides Michael Cole from the past couple of weeks. These like random women that they just have interviewing people, it's not working. It was pretty great when they had Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens just calling them the wrong name over and over and over again, but now that that's not that happening, it's so kind of funny. funny to have these people here. Uh, so the yeah. Norm Door match, it was fine. It's the same match. We've seen this match like three times now. I don't think they talk about that, but like Noam Dar would be basically like if there was actually like some kind of <laughs> like a build up to the number one contender, Noam Dar would be at the very bottom of the list at this point. I think he's lost everyone on the roster except for uh, <laughs> Gallagher, Drew Gallagher or whatever. Um, Gallagher's great. His character's kind of fun. I, I could see him getting over if, if they want to push him, but it seems like they really want to go with T.J. Perkins. So, I don't know. It, it, they're going back and forth on that. The match was three minutes. They need to give these guys more time. You have a three-hour fucking show. Like, yeah. like let, let these cruiserweights work an eight-minute match. I'm not saying get ridiculous with it and start exposing people's squalls or anything, If they, but there's no way that these two guys can't wrestle each other for longer than three minutes. <laughs> what are they going to do when they get a paper? Yeah. Get out of pay per view and they have to go for like eight, you know, eight to ten minutes or something? And I don't know. But uh, yeah, that was fine. I I, he stands out. He's he's got a big crowd response. Gallagher seems like he has a crowd response. It's not as big as like uh, Tazawa's right now, but we'll see what they do with that. Um, and then Emelina shit. Like, I thought it was fun. If they're going to turn her heel, that was pretty funny, but she needs to like just come out like directly next week and do the same thing again and then leave. So basically, like she's just trolling for a couple weeks and then maybe have her interfere in a match or something. Um, she was Emma on NXT. She was fine. I don't think that she ever even held the NXT title, so I think they may have just pushed her a little too early. Her and uh, Dana Brooke at the same time kind of just got thrown up for enhancement talent for – Charlotte, because they had Charlotte versus Sasha like every week, so they had to do something different. So it makes sense that they're there, but uh, yeah. You know. And then the Braun Strowman Mark Henry match, I thought it was good that Henry kind of got some offense in at least, so it didn't look, just look like a squash match, but it was a typical like Braun Strowman match. I think it was like five minutes long. So, what do you think they're they're uh, they're going to be doing with Braun Strowman at WrestleMania? Because he's not even on that fantasy card. Like Roman Reigns. Uh, like where where do you see that going? Well, at first I thought Sami Zayn, but if 
Rollins isn't ready, I don't know what he's going to be doing. Maybe interfering in someone else's match before then. Maybe something at Fastlane to set up a match, but right now they don't even have anything for him at, at Fastlane. If they're gonna, if they're selling Jericho being injured, which happens later in the show, if they sell that, maybe they have a U.S. Championship and he gets thrown into that or something, like a tournament kind of deal. But yeah, I don't know. Like I don't see anything right offhand that looks appealing for him. I mean, he could wrestle Reigns again at WrestleMania if you don't want to go Reigns versus Undertaker. But then what are you doing with Undertaker? Maybe Taker versus Finn Balor. That could be interesting if Finn Balor's ready. Finn Balor can work with work with Undertaker. He would fit in that Shawn Michaels type role. I think that would be a better match than uh, Reigns versus Taker because Reigns has limited offense. And well, it it but sounds like I, I, I don't want to get everyone hyped rumors. on that, but well, well, there was all those rumors that Roman Reigns was a last minute addition to change out for Finn Balor because he wasn't going to be ready for the Royal Rumble. Um, so, and that meant that he was most likely going to be the person pinned against Undertaker, but instead they changed it last minute because he wasn't going to be healed up by then, and that's what we're dealing with is the after effect. So, we could have actually potentially, if this is true, um, seen that, basically, but instead we're getting most likely Reigns versus Undertaker, which still, if they can just go back and forth, I mean, it's still going to be a a fun match. Uh, I like your idea, though, and I've, I've been saying this ever since uh, last week, about Reigns actually just inevitably just destroying Undertaker and really building some heat uh, so we can actually make him a really viable heel. Um, and uh, do the lone wolf approach, you know, uh, not like Baron Corbin, but just where even if they make this faction, Roman Reigns is even against them. Like, he's just by himself, this dominant presence. And I think he'll go over a lot more positively that way. Uh, we've been saying that for a long time, though. But um, I, was the yeah, I mean, are they going to – I just don't see them pulling the trigger on that heel turn. So I think you might actually just get – maybe you get a three-way match. You get Braun Strowman, Undertaker, and Roman Reigns. That's a lot for Undertaker they, to do, and he's – Got a chance of hurting. Well, I mean, it's, le- it's, it's technically, it's technically, it's technically less for him to do. And yeah, he can still I get guess, the yeah. win without. He can still get the win without actually hurting anyone else in a three-way match. So, I mean, I hope they don't book it like that because that sounds like a very uninteresting match. Best case scenario: Finn Balor versus Undertaker. Worst case scenario: three-way match. Minimum, medium scenario is you just get. Roman Reigns as he is now versus Strowman. And then, like, the amazing booking scenario is if you turn Roman Reigns heel, which I just don't. I don't see it happening until he gets Seth Rollins back. I think they're afraid that they don't have any other baby faces that can carry that top card unless Jericho is going to stick around. If Jericho sticks around for a little bit, maybe. But if not, then that's going to be a hard sell. Because even KO, people were still cheering for him, and I think they put him completely over now as being a heel after he did to Jericho at the friend thing. Hey, we actually have, Chris, our first caller. You want to put him on? Sure. Should be interesting. Hey, you're talking to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Uh, Who is this? Juwan. Oh, what's up, Juwan? How's it going? What's going on, guys? Nice of you to be our first caller, even though, you know, 
necessarily. But what is up, buddy? How are you doing? I'm doing good. Sorry, I'm super late, guys. What yeah, he fucking no sold the start of this thing. <laughs> he showed up in the he showed up in the limo midway through the show, just like I was talking about earlier. He's trying hey, to get man, that heel heat. I need my Ric Flair parent. I need my Ric Flair parent. <laughs> uh, that's funny. All right, let, let's get through the rest of uh, Raw, go on SmackDown, and then talk a little bit about these topics. Then, um, hey, Juwan, did you want to talk about anything Elimination Chamber? Uh, any of the stuff that we're talking about on Raw? Um, well, I was listening for for uh, a large part of it. I just want to say this really quickly. Um, I I didn't support Bray Wyatt winning the title only because I'm almost a thousand percent sure that Randy Orton within the next few weeks will um, betray him and then definitely take the title from him at WrestleMania. Um, So I wasn't a hundred percent okay with that. I would have preferred if um, Randy Orton, uh, I mean, Cena had retained Randy Orton would have went on to defeat him at WrestleMania and then Bray Wyatt wanted after WrestleMania, like a couple pay-per-views. So you can get up like a long time with the, uh, with the title. And, um, the last thing I want to say before you guys continue is, um, I loved, what's her name? Uh, Emma. It was Emma, right? I loved Emma when she did this stupid dance, um, before, but her return is Emmarella or whatever the hell her name was. It, it pissed me off because it reminded me of how upset I was when Chris Jericho returned that one time where he wouldn't talk. And I was just like, this is just like some of the stupidest shit ever. And that's how I'm feeling about her right now. So even if she does it again next week, I'll still hate the shit out of whatever they're trying to do with her. Well, if the idea is to make you hate her and to get her over as a heel, then it's probably, it's fucking working. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Well, now, now, I don't remember. I, it's not on my freaking notes. I don't know where the Festival of Friends comes. I think that's right before the Women's Championship. So I'm going to assume that. It does, but the, the, the before that happens, the Samoa Joe interview happens, which was amazing. <laughs> go over the Samoa Joe interview a little bit, uh, Chris. We'll go over that next before we go on to Sami Zayn. Yeah, so, so Samoa Joe just basically – came out and said, like, it wasn't because I thought I was accomplishing more in other places. It was literally these people were scared that I was going to hurt somebody. And the first week I was here, what did I do? I hurt somebody. Triple H is the only person that gave me a shot, yada, yada, yada. Um, And Joe is just so good at delivering these, like, I'm here to hurt people promos. It's great. As long as they don't get him in, like, the TNA mode where he's screaming and, like, yelling at people, it's fine. If they're going to have him have these, like, calm, cool like hitman type deliveries, like he's he's there to like take people out. It's great. And I, I thought it was a uh, thought it was awesome that he called out Sami Zayn. He's like, I don't want to be like a favorite who doesn't care if they win or lose. Or and they built on that too, which I thought was good. The whole some everything they did with Samoa Joe on the show was pretty pretty good. So we can move on from that, but I just wanted to highlight it before we went to the festival of friendship. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, talking about Zane, uh before Shmojo c- came out and kicked the crap out of him, uh, they had him defeat Rusev, uh, which I thought was great because he kind of needed that after losing to Jericho the week before. Um, but, yeah, just seeing Samojo come out, 
because he he addressed it to the uh, interviewer about like you know well I just heard Samoa Joe because it was weird when I heard it actually on air I wasn't sure if he just made that shot and they were going to be talking about that as like a real like just dickhead thing that Samoa Joe just said you know on the show I basically hook line and sinker believed it um, so when Sami Zayn referenced it I was like oh okay so there's an angle to this and then obviously Samoa Joe came out um, beat the crap out of him so. Hey, who knows if they're going to actually do something with that, or is that Samoa Joe's first victim? I'm actually hoping that we get to see a cool uh, build-up between Zayn and Samoa Joe, where maybe Zayn come up on top. Like I said, I don't know if they would do that at WrestleMania though, because you know Samoa Joe's your, your your big heel right now, and it doesn't seem like if you if you book that fight between Zayn and Joe at WrestleMania, if Zayn wins. It makes Samoa Joe look weaker. If Samoa Joe beats Zayn, everyone else is beating Zayn at this point, and he's always going against big guys, so it kind of makes him look weaker as well. So I don't know how they're going to do that, but I still like the concept of the two of them interacting in the future. Uh, Juwan, how did you feel? Um, I, th- I thought it was I thought it was a good moment, at least for uh, for Joe. Um, but I, I do feel as though Joe is somewhat of like a hitman for 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 Triple H, but I mean I I liked it. I, I since Samoa Joe has made his first appearance on Raw, I can't for the life of me put my finger on what the end game is. Um, so I mean all these random attacks just seem like him, uh, you know, living out the uh, the orders of his boss, um, which is I think is pretty cool. Samoa Joe being uh, like. Triple H's uh, henchman, hitman type of guy. I'm 100% cool with that, but I can't put my finger on exactly what the end game is, and that's frustrating me so much. Well, I, uh, I can understand I where you're coming from. What were you going to say, uh, Chris? I, I feel like the uh, the end game was Seth Rollins and Joe at Fastlane, and then Triple H and Seth at WrestleMania, and they had to curveball that. So... Well, I mean, it's I good mean, with what they're doing now, so I like it. Well, I meant the end game as far as like, are they going to put Joe over at uh, kind of like how Triple H somewhat did with Kevin Owens? Like, is Joe going to ultimately get a title shot, or is the title something that's going to be like Finn Balor's whenever he gets back? Because I always thought um, when it was the rumblings of Samoa Joe crossing over. I had always imagined that we'd eventually see Joe versus Balor for the title. So that's what I meant, like, what is their end game? Is Joe going to be someone like Rusev who's going to, you know, have either a tag title or the U.S. title for God knows how long, or is he going to be like a main eventer? That's what I was saying. I I can't figure out what their end game is uh, with Samoa Joe. Well, there's a lot of talent on Raw, so it's kind of hard to tell. I mean, you know, we're talking about him against Sami Zayn, who's also, I think, should be a big contender. But not only that, it always threw me off. It's because of the injury of Seth, uh, you know, what they're going to build up to for WrestleMania and fill in that spot. So we'll have to find out. Uh, we got two more matches before the Festival of Friendship. Try to go through as quick. Really cool uh, seeing Akira Tawaza do his best impression of a Raptor uh, while he's beating the crap out of Arya Davari. Um a fun match, uh, and also Brian Kendrick is a creepy looking dude, and he's just a creep. So if that that's the uh, concept he's going for, he sold me on that. 
Um, I love seeing Tawaza hit that snap German suplex uh, with an easy pin. He just makes it look like a badass move, kind of like the rock with the rock bottom. Like, you know, it's just something common, but the way he does it, or, or uh, you know, um, what the hell, um, uh, the, the Rainmaker, uh, just easy clothesline, but just the, the delivery. Uh, but how did you like this match, uh, Chris? I thought it was good. He hasn't had a bad match yet. I, I like the commentary with Brian Kendrick being out there and selling that he's this, like, <laughs> mentor oh, yeah. for Akira. Yeah. And then Michael Cole just, like, burying him the entire time. And then to the end, I think he called him Brian Bilicek, which was pretty fucking funny. It was like a, a slight to, like, Patriots fans, which was pretty funny. Um, Akira is great. I mean, he was great in, in New Japan. He had some good matches with Kenny Omega that you guys should check out if you haven't seen, but yeah, oh, it's good to out. see him there in that spot. And him versus Brian Kendrick on the undercard of WrestleMania will be the highlight of the undercard of WrestleMania. I almost guarantee that'll be one of those three-hour gap matches they have at the beginning where they're just showing highlight stuff for forever. How'd you like the match, uh, Juwan? Uh, just give me one second. Can you tell? Did you say Brian Kendrick match? No, he was on commentary. Oh, it was uh, Akira. It was. Yeah, I must have. I, I I can't remember that match. It was on Raw, right? I can't remember that match. I'm trying to remember. It, I can't remember that. Oh. It was short. It was like three minutes. So, if you were taking a bathroom break, you probably would have missed it because yeah. that's how they book 205 guys. <laughs> I literally yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was doing I did not remember that match at all. <laughs> it was a fun match. You missed you missed Akira T- uh, Tozawa uh, doing a bunch of like raptor calls. Uh, I don't know what. He beat the dude and Brian Kendrick looked like a creep the whole entire time. It was uh, very interesting. I like Brian Kendrick though. I, I you guys are more familiar with him because he was around during the time period that I don't know, but I've checked out his stuff, good in-ring worker, and playing this creepy fuck pretty well. So, good job, Brian. All right, let's go on to – And then uh, – Yeah, I was going to say just shout-out to Paul London. Him and Paul London were a good tag team during the time period you weren't watching. But they were, uh, they were pretty, I know Paul pretty damn good tag team. Absolutely. All right, so uh, – A really good Cesaro- team. I'll go back and check out some of their tag matches. But um, Cesaro defeated Enzo Moore via pinfall. Um, I Guys, I can't stand Enzo. I'm not, I guess I just – the commercial, too, with KFC. Like, I I was very happy Cesaro just, you know, dominated him with European uppercuts and scored the pin. And I just – I can't do his, his gimmick. I know a lot of people like it. And I think that Big Cat's just a big dummy. Uh, I actually liked him as a singles in-ring worker. They had him in a four-way uh, a long time ago for the title, and I actually liked him by himself. But, like, when they get him behind the mic, he's like, and it's, it's, it's just starting to kill me. Like, um, John, do, do, you, do you like Enzo at all, John? Uh, no, I, I despise everything about him. Um, I, I originally liked the whole gimmick of uh... – Couple of the haters, but the, you know it, it's kind of uh, <laughs> That's what they would say. We we would uh, that that was that would be how they would define how we're acting right now, like a couple of haters. But um, I'm starting to despise them, like uh, the new day. I started to despise the new day. 
Um, I, I also don't like what they're doing with, with Cesaro and Sheamus. Raw has such great uh, wrestlers and personalities that they could have made that tag team division a lot stronger than it is. And they're just, they're wasting these guys again. Like, first of all, the fact that Sheamus hasn't been, like, in a main event in I don't know how long is disgusting. And and Cesaro. Um, but the match overall I thought was, was pretty good. Anytime Cesaro wrestles, uh, I'm always a fan of it. He puts on, like, five-star matches to me. Um, but, yeah, uh, Enzo is just, I'm I'm tired of it. Hey Chris, are we a couple of haters? No. <laughs> uh, I think you guys would appreciate Enzo more if he was just a manager because his in-ring work is drizzling yes. shits. It looked awful. Cesaro is so professional <laughs> that that match was good, but if it wasn't for Cesaro, that match would have been fucking terrible. He bought like four spots in that match, and like most wrestlers would have. Like the person that was going over in this situation would have been heated, and the fact that Cesaro was able to just channel it, just get through the match and have a a decent match, a decent TV match was impressive. Claudio never surprises me though, and I do agree. I think he could have been a bigger deal than he is. It's going to be hard for him now because he's got to dig his way out of a hole. Um, the tag team division in general on Raw is just so much weaker than SmackDown. If you want to watch tag team wrestling, you just tune in to SmackDown, to be completely honest, especially since they're doing nothing with the New Day, which is by far their best their best tag team as far as what they can do. And they should turn them heel, honestly. But, yep. uh, I, I, you know, they, they had a, like a 400-day face run. Either that or break them up and then get them back together later on. They just do a fabulous Freebird thing. It, it wouldn't be that big yeah. of a deal to do. It's already been done in the past. Like, their whole gimmick is they're – like the fabulous Freebirds, but nerdy. So if they did the same thing and they could break them up and get them back together, there's some good wrestlers uh, that could be tag teams. They're doing nothing with like put a couple of these cruiserweight guys together and make a tag team. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And then they can still wrestle 205 for their cruiserweight title. Like there's no reason why you, you can, you can explain two smaller guys beating two big guys. If they're flying through the air constantly, it's not, it's not that hard of a concept to understand. I mean, Rey Mysterio Jr. was your heavyweight champion, even though they like to gloss over that a lot. But there's ways to sell that where it works. Why isn't Kalisto and Sin Cara on the same show anymore, and why aren't they a tag team? Like, they, were, they, they seem to get over with the fans. Like, why did they break that up and make them punching bags on their respected shows opposite of each other? It doesn't make any sense. To me, SmackDown has too many tag teams, so many that they have to do these stupid battle royals and fucking six-post, you know, six-man, blah, 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 and interchanging whatever. Just get them evened out so we can have them good so you don't have to take your big guys like a Cesaro and a Sheamus and mash them together. And, yeah, going back to Enzo, he should be Big Cass's manager. He should do the talking. Big Cass should do the walking. And that's how that whole concept, to me, if I was fucking looking at how I'd do it. But let's get to the main event. Guys, um, I was happy that Bailey defeated Charlotte. My problem is Charlotte doesn't lose at pay-per-views. And also with Sasha Banks, is it kind of, is it just me or does it look like she might be turning on Bailey at some point? Like maybe they, maybe, I, I don't know how they're going to do this. I don't know how they're going to book it for WrestleMania. Um, we'll, 
will Bailey be the champion after WrestleMania, or is she going to lose it way before that? Uh, Juwan, what do you think? Um, all right. So to me, I feel as though Charlotte and uh, Sasha are way better in-ring competitors than um, than Bailey. I sometimes get bored watching Bailey wrestle. Um, so I I I'd love to see Sasha turn on her. Um, uh, and then they they uh, end up having a triple threat for WrestleMania. That'd be a thousand times better than maybe Charlotte versus Bailey again. Um, but I damn sure don't want to see Charlotte versus uh, what's her name Sasha, Sasha again. I think I've seen that way too many damn times. Um, and they flip flop so often. Um, but yeah, no, I think she probably will be. I think the timing of when she's getting this title kind of shows that she'll definitely have it for a while, at least like a, I'd say a couple months, maybe if if that, but I think the best thing you could do is, um, have Sasha turn on, on Bailey, have Sasha, Charlotte, Bailey at WrestleMania, have Bailey win, go on to have a few with Charlotte. And I kind of want to see that huge chick have a, a, a rivalry with Charlotte. I think that'd be something really to see. Nia Jack. Nia Jack, yeah. Yeah. Chris? My my thought would be Charlotte wins this title back at Fastlane because they're going to do that match. Sasha cheats to win against Nia Jax because there's no way they can sell her beating her any other way at this point. And then you have her turn on Bailey, and then you have a four-way match for the title. And somehow Charlotte comes out on top. Maybe they get the uh, the nature boy to come out and give her some assistance. But uh, I would I would expect Charlotte to keep that pay-per-view streak alive because it's the closest thing they have to an Undertaker streak. And while it's not as important, it's uh, it's still important to her as a character. And then feeding with Nia Jax would be absolutely awesome. And then you can have Nia Jax break that streak if you really want to do something cool at like SummerSlam or further down the line. <laughs> because her streak is not WrestleMania. It's just pay-per-views in general. So, you know, she could win like at 20 pay-per-views and lose. And then they can still make a big deal about it. And it'd be great because Nia Jax could really demolish Charlotte in a very convincing manner. That's like, whoa, she, not only did she beat her streak, but she like, you know, put her over a little bit. Don't just make her like, you know, I hope that they have an end game for her and Braun Strowman. I hope they're not just like the big guy that's going to go back and forth and be the dumb punching bag every so often, like they possibly could. Um, uh, I can't remember the Kong chick. You guys always correct me, but uh, she's also someone I think of when it comes to that concept. Uh, I don't think Nia Jax is as good as a, uh, you know, in the ring. She's got a little bit of ways to go, but me and you have talked about that before, Chris. But other than that, do you guys have anything else to talk about for Raw before we move on to SmackDown? We didn't talk about the Festival of Friendship, man. It's the biggest thing on the, the whole entire night. Shit! I fucking... I, <laughs> God dang it! I, stupid. All right. So I meant to do that right before this thing. I meant to go into the Festival of Friendship, and I forgot about it because I don't have it written down in my fucking notes. Anyways, Festival of Friendship. Awesome. I can't believe how ridiculous and over-the-top Chris Jericho is because I know that that man 
had a lot to do with like, no, 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 seriously, Vince, we need to do this, and we need to do that, and we have to have this stupid painting that's the fucking, oh my god, it gets to the point where it's so cringeworthy, and KO is selling it so well in the ring, like, you know, uh, what the fuck is this, Chris? And whatever Triple H, you know, for some reason said to him beforehand, he just decided to turn on his best friend and get him a new list that was actually KO's list. And the way that they did that was so perfect. I was like, wait, my name's on the list. Why is that? And he picks it up and says, KO, great delivery, great segment. The beat up afterwards was very good. They put over KO. Now he's not going to be like AJ. He's, I think people are just going to boo him. And he's going to completely embrace that and just be a heel, which is good. I'd rather him as a heel. Than, I liked him and Jericho, but after a while, him like sniveling about shit was kind of unbelievable. Especially seeing some of the stuff they did before previous in NXT, you know, that was not his personality really. But it was fun between the two of them. I'm glad it's done. I'm glad they did it. It was hilarious. Great ending. Um, sets up Y2J versus uh, him, hopefully at WrestleMania, which is on that that uh, that that card. Um, I don't know who would win. I guess Jericho would get his redemption. Uh, how do you feel, Chris, about the Festival of Friendship? Uh, all of the guests were hilarious and there was a slight bit of irony which I paid attention to which I thought was amazing Gilbert. before before you know, yeah Kilberg was there so that was hype but uh, before Kevin Owens turns on him Chris Jericho puts friendship on the list now granted friendship was the name of the magician but as soon as he wrote friendship on the list I kind of saw it coming, so that was amazing. Oh. Uh, and then Kevin Owens putting the power bomb on him was great. And then Triple H, of course, being the uh, the quiet whisperer. I like the creator. I like this gimmick of him being the creator. Maybe he's takes a step back and and builds a faction, which I know is one of the things you want to talk about later. But this yeah. uh, it, it can go places. They could do a lot with this. And and Kevin Owens could end up retaining the title, which I would be ecstatic about as opposed to putting it on Goldberg, because Goldberg doesn't need it. The reason you bought Goldberg back is because you don't have to build him up any. So I don't think that match needs anything other than, like, is Lesnar finally going to beat Goldberg? So putting the title on him does nothing, and it just puts more pressure on Lesnar to be there more often, which I don't think he's down with. But uh, the actual segment, the photo, that, that giant picture <laughs> was amazing. All of those from my living room. Like, it was great. What about the Hugging Friends sculpture? Like, <laughs> <laughs> the Gulag? The Gulag? Uh, what was it? The Gulag? Uh, cost him $7,000, Dane. $7,000. I, I love Chris Jericho, man. He, he's he's so good at doing this stuff, this shtick. Oh, God. Juwan, were you, uh, were you part of the Festival of Friendship? Uh, absolutely. I was even thinking about the fact that we should have one at some point. Um, but it, well, what does that mean? Are honestly, you going to stab me in the back or some shit? Well, no, I don't. I'm not saying it should turn out exactly how that did. Uh, I, I just want the painting. I want the painting. I want the painting of us to put in my living room. That's it. Anyway, um, no, it's, I loved it. Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens are possibly the best thing about Raw. Um, the only problem I had was I was just at, at the end of it when Kevin Owens was done, I was just like, oh, I really hope they don't use this as an angle for like Jericho to screw uh, Owens over at like Fastlane, and then Goldberg wins. 
because the only thing that would bore me more for a WrestleMania is Goldberg versus Lesnar for a title. That would possibly be some of the most boring television to ever watch. Um, but I loved it. I love anything that has Kevin Owens and Jericho. They have been my highlight on Raw for the longest. Um, and this just kind of reminds me of when um, CM Punk and Jericho had their feud. It has that that type of momentum and hype about it um, that I'm really excited to see two great in-ring performers go up against each other uh, at the grandest stage, but I just hope it's for the title. I hope it's... Uh, like co-titles, like they put both their titles on the line and uh, Kevin Owens can walk out of WrestleMania, the United States Universal Champion. That would be so awesome. One one thing I just thought about as you were as you were saying this is what if Jericho plays this off as this was a Jericho plan and Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens team up and beat Goldberg? That oh my collective. god, that'd be amazing! What if and we get fucking swerved again? <laughs> because this wouldn't be the first time they've done it. <laughs> so this goes this goes further back, Chris. So Jericho has been doing this to build up for the WrestleMania match to have both titles at the end of it, and it's all a big work up until that point. It was him being friends with Kevin Owens is all a lie. It was all to do this. I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. It's not really. But anyways, let's go to SmackDown, guys. So, so uh, uh, Bray Wyatt comes out, starts saying weird shit that you've heard Raven say back in the 90s. Um, Quote the Raven. I love Bray Wyatt. Nevermore. Um, and John Cena and AJ Styles come out, both demanding their uh, title shots that were given to them. Basically, uh, Daniel Bryan comes out, says, all right, three-way match at the end of this, which I saw coming a mile away. I like how Bray Wyatt was bitching in the ring because I was hoping he wasn't going to be like, yeah, that's cool with me because, like, you know, are you fucking kidding me? Like, both these guys. Uh, So that was a fun segment. Uh, I guess we'll go more into that later on. It's not really something to cover. Uh, But American Alpha versus The Ascension, uh, American Alpha won. That was a pretty good match, man. Um, I actually liked The Ascension. I called them, like, Evil LOD or whatever the hell, uh, Powers of Pain times two, you know, beforehand. But I, they're pretty good in the ring, and I really like American Alpha. Uh, I've been saying this, and someone said that they're actually inspired by the Steiner Brothers, and you can tell by their performance and stuff like that, um, and their stupid outfits. Uh, and I like that German suplex. It was very clean. I think both of them are great athletes. And I want to see them with the belts for a while, and I, I'm glad that they're building this with the Uzos because if they're going to use any of those guys, those are the other guys I'd like to see against them. Um, until Zack Ryder heals up, and I'd like to see um, the Alpha Dudes or whatever the fuck they call them, Mojo Riley and him, whatever. But um, how did you feel about this tag match, Chris? Chris? Sorry, I was on mute. Uh, yeah, it was, it was it was good. They're doing some stuff with the Ascension. I just don't know where they're going with it. Um, because the end game of that was to get the Usos over, to get heat on the Usos, basically. And I like that they teased at the end of the match the Usos attacking them, and then they just didn't, which was <laughs> which is better than what they normally do week to week. So like now it's like American Alpha has to wait because it's coming. They just don't know when it's coming. Uh, really good match I just hope very soon that 
the Ascension wins the titles. I've been hoping for that for the longest. Um, I, I think I think they have what it takes to be really good tag team champions within uh, SmackDown, and I just need them to hurry up and give them the titles. I'm tired of waiting. Um, but no, seriously, it was a really good match. American Alpha, I think, is a really good tag team. Um, they're very fun to watch, but the Ascension to me needs to have the belts. You must both know them from the NXT because I only know them from this. I want to check out some of their stuff. They're interesting tag team for sure. Very inspired by a lot of my favorite tag teams too, uh, look wise at least. But uh, I would love to see American Alpha. Well, we're not going to see this, but uh, the Young Bucks uh, versus American Alpha. Uh, just watching both of their in ring stuff, I think they would work well together. Too bad that's not going to happen anytime soon, but I'm just saying. Uh, so, all right, so next thing, Baron Corbin. Uh, well, Dean Ambrose is looking for Baron Corbin. Uh, he tries to get a match against uh, Ellsworth, um, and he's given that match, uh, but then we find out that Baron Corbin attacked the crap out of him and brings him out. But then we see Dean Ambrose, which I liked, switch back. He came back for a second, started fighting against Corbin again, and then Corbin throws him into the electrical booth. I don't know why they're doing that thing anymore. It looks so fake every damn time. The electricity that's coming out is nowhere near where they are. But, you know, whatever. Still still a fun spot. Um, it's setting up, obviously, Baron Corbin and Dean Ambrose, probably for the uh, title. Uh, how, how did you like it, Juwan? Uh, I love Baron Corbin. I I need him to have a belt, like, immediately also. Um, he's just such a really good talent. And I feel as though his mic work. Uh, well, his mic skills, I'm sorry, need work. Um, but honestly, I think that's just the issue of most of the uh, the new um, new wrestlers coming up. They don't have the best mic skills, but their in ring game is 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 pretty is uh pretty good. So I mean, Baron Corbin's kind of somewhat a bore on the mic, but when he's in the ring, man, I'm always entertained to see him wrestle. So I'm hoping he takes the title from Dean Ambrose uh, at WrestleMania. That'd be a really cool match. Hopefully, like a hardcore match, uh, Chris. Baron Corbin has the best to like a, the best signature move and the best finisher in the WWE right now. That deep yeah. six is incredible, and then that end of days finisher. It while it's simple, it looks brutal. So I love yeah. it. It's uh, I like Baron Corbin a lot. He's got to get the title over Ambrose if they're going that match, which looks like they will. Ambrose doesn't need the title. He's he's going to be over no matter what. So put it on Corbin. I don't think he has to talk. He doesn't necessarily have to talk. Chris Benoit got away for years without talking. Just make sure he wins his matches. Like, if, as long as he's winning matches and hitting, like, if he hits that deep six through a couple of tables or something, he's going to be over. Like, Mark Henry is not a great talker either, and they got his ass over on SmackDown in 2007. He had one of, like, he was in the top five wrestlers of the year that year. It's not because, like, his in-ring work changed that much. It was just because it was believable because of the way they booked him. So you can book Baron Corbin the same way. Uh, Absolutely. I, I, I like completely it. agree. I completely agree with you. Yeah. That, that was actually – that was a great point you made, a great, great point. But like I said, I enjoy his in-ring, and I agree with you. He does have the best signature and the best finisher. I, I would say in WWE – Technically, I think that I, I'd give that to Finn Balor because I think his finisher is so badass. But I, I won't argue that. I, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, Baron Corbin does. It, it's very destructive. It reminds me when we first saw the RKO. It was just like, wow, that's just really lethal. 
Um, Baron Corbin's finisher and signature is um, is definitely nothing that close to it. But I'd say Finn Balor is maybe like a far second. Yeah, the fact that he can catch anyone, the, the, the same thing with RKO, like he can just catch you out of a clothesline into his finisher. Like it's yep. it's pretty great. That'll probably actually be the finish to the Dean Ambrose match. With the stupid little Ambrose, like how he tucks under the rope and comes back and then just directly in to end of days. It'll be the end of days oh, for his title reign. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you. That, that That's one move. And I really like Dean Ambrose, especially as a personality. But that one move, it's it just not working for me. It just looks dumb. And it's, like, not really believable at all. It's not. It's like he's trying to go for um, Jay Lethal's. But Jay Lethal's makes his look so smooth. And I don't think Dean hits it as well. He's not as athletic. Um, also, not as – the other one's way cooler stylistically. But um, either way, I love Dean. He's just a funny presence, especially like him in the back, man. He's, I just like that personnel. And Baron Corbin's going to do a lot of good things. Let's get to the rematch for Mickey James and Becky Lynch. Good match back and forth. Um, ladies were slamming each other around. Really good wrestling. Um, and then Mickey James, obviously, I saw this coming a mile away, uh, you know, wins uh, inevitably. Uh, so how did you like this one, Chris? Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was fine. It it was better than their match at the pay per view, which sucks because that was a pay per view match. And I liked that Mickey James cheated to yeah. win because she. And, and I liked that the uh, announcers called it as a veteran move. Like you're like, you know, like she cheated, but like kind of you should have saw that coming. Like you could have literally just sat down and waited for her to stop crying. Like it didn't work out because she would have lost the match either way. So, like, either she lets the rest be. I, I still don't understand how wrestlers are so dumb to fall for that. It, it kind of makes the baby faces look like idiots, but that's how baby faces are supposed to, to be. But, like, if she would have just stood in the corner and waited, the ref would have either called the match or she would have been like, no, I'm okay. <laughs> like, the match could have just continued, which would be a great finish for a match, WWE, by the way. You should totally do that. But, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I thought that was a good match. Mickey James is still great in the ring. She hasn't really lost a step. It's good to see her going against talent that's equal to her instead of, like, uh, the slums of TNA, which I watched for a long time. Um, minus her and Gail Kim. Like, Gail Kim's great, too. But, yeah, it's it's good to see her back. Uh, she hasn't had a, as good of a match as she had on NXT. Her and Asuka, uh, like, kind of tore down a little bit as opposed to the matches she's been having lately. But uh, we'll see. They haven't They haven't put the throttle down. I think once they they get in there and it's like the this rubber band match is coming out, which will probably happen at WrestleMania between Mickey James and Becky Lynch, will be really good. I think it'll be probably like a 12 to 15 minute match, and you'll get to see some more of those two work against each other. I think it'll be really good. I agree with you, John. Uh, I completely agree. Um, <clears throat> it was a good match. Uh, the one thing I will say is they've been taking a lot of. Um, I wouldn't say risk, but they've been doing a lot of cool things with the uh, the Divas matches as far as the um, when uh, Sasha and Charlotte were going back to, uh, you know, back and forth. I'd love to see Mickey James um, and I can't believe I just forgot her name, Becky Lynch, in like a hardcore match or like a tables match or something like that for WrestleMania. Like something something you you haven't seen the, the, the Divas do type of match at WrestleMania because I think they're really great talent um, <clears throat> and they work well off of each other, but I'd like to see them take it a little bit more extreme for the uh, the grandest stage. And I think like a hardcore match 
where like Becky Lynch is like putting Mickey James to a table or something like that would be an amazing thing to see, especially if like Chris said, it's like a 15, maybe 20 minute match, um, make it memorable. And I think the best way to do that is like a hardcore match or a table match or something Violent. like that. Yes. Violence. Yes. Lots and lots of violence. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I completely agree with you on that. Some type of hardcore match between two of them. It was it was a fun match. I definitely enjoyed it. What about what, what if they did a monsters ball match and she just brought TNA full circle <laughs> <laughs> and they have a cage with a bunch of shit hung from it? War games. That would be awesome. But I do want to see them break ground with the Divas. Like, maybe even have this be the first WrestleMania. It doesn't have to be with uh, SmackDown. It could be with the Charlotte-Sasha uh, um, match, maybe. But I'd like to see, like, them break ground and have, like, a Diva bleed. I'm not saying, like, how Ric Flair used to bleed, but, like, have a Diva bleed. That's something I don't recall seeing um, since the Divas transitioned into, like, actual wrestlers and not just bra and panties. Sideshow, so I think that'd be something that'd be like really cool and refreshing to see from the divas uh, at WrestleMania. Yeah, the only thing about that is the only way they let you get like get cut up now is is you know Brock Lesnar has to knock you the fuck out. So unless Brock Lesnar comes to the ring and murders both of them, then there's going to be no color involved. Oh, my God. That's a great point. <laughs> all right. So let's move on to the segment because I need you guys' help. Um, all right. So there's, apparently there was a segment uh, between Alexa Bliss and Naomi. There, I, I lost track of everything due to uh, Naomi's jeans and Alexa Bliss's uh, yoga pants. Uh, I completely checked out um, and went into a trance, and I didn't come back until commercials. So uh, – <laughs> Uh, how do you? All right, that was a joke. How do you guys feel about the future between the two of them competitively, Chris? Uh, Naomi, I don't. I don't think that the snatch you is necessarily the best way to explain how bad you want to kick someone's ass. Other than that, it was fine. She's selling a leg injury, which didn't. She's not hurt, so it's not. It's 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 a work, but. They're going to build on that. Like, they're going to be attacking that leg for the next month and a half, probably. And then Naomi will probably win. I mean, it's her hometown. But that being said, it's WWE and it's her hometown, so she'll probably fucking lose. <laughs> Which I hope not. But um, it would be great. I mean, it would be great to see uh, Tamina Snuka come back out and maybe make a save um, oh. against Nikki James or something. Because she's just been out since her father passed away. And I think that would be, you know. They had a little stable together for a little bit, and it would make sense, and it would be a fun moment for Tamina, and I think people would have, would appreciate it. Um, and you don't have to do too much to take away from their match. They had a good match on the pay-per-view. Uh, like I said, Naomi consistently does things. At least she does different things than everyone else. And I don't know if that's because she's married to the Jey Uso. I think she's married to Jey Uso. She consistently does, like, top rope spots that no one else is doing, which makes her different, which I appreciate. Um, you know, the only other person doing that is Charlotte. She's the only other person doing any kind of top rope spots. So uh, it's, it's, it's good. It's good stuff. I mean, Sasha does that double knee thing, but that thing, it looks stupid. She should just turn that into, like, a full plancha of <laughs> Mysterio Jr. style. And just, like, I don't know that, I don't understand the knee concept of that. Like, you put your full weight on them, it's going to hurt more, but okay. 
Juwan Sin question. No, I, I, uh, I thought the match Sasha. that they had uh, for the title was was uh, pretty entertaining. I just think their mic skills, like that whole promo was, uh, if, if it wasn't for the fact that they look amazing, I would have fell asleep during that entire promo. But um, every time I see them in the ring together, it just reminds me of when Jacqueline used to uh, fight Tori Wilson, and I laugh every time I see it. Um, but, no, I, I think what you were saying about, um, I think, who was it, T- Tamina was was her name? Yeah, Tamina Snooker. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. Um, also, I think it's well overdue that she gets a title run at some point. Um, so I, I'd agree with you on, on that. But, yeah, they're, they're two great people to look at. I'll say that. They really are. It was, it was distracting. All right. So now that I've been a chauvinistic pig, let's go on. It's a fucking wrestling podcast. I'm sorry. What do you want from me? Um, let's go to the last match. Uh, John Cena versus AJ Styles versus Bray Wyatt. And uh, weird, Bray Wyatt won. Uh, good match. A lot of fun. Um, good spots. Nothing crazy. I love that part with Luke Harper. That was, that was a great way to start it off. I love how I went to commercial and we come back. And AJ's attempting to put him through the friggin' announce table. The thing doesn't work. The crowd starts going crazy. One more time. And obviously Bray laying there still was giving AJ the signal like, hey, either grab me off this motherfucker or just do it and put, put me through this thing. So AJ does a leg drop, puts him through it. Looks like it hurt. Weird. Um, but uh, good match. Bray Wyatt wins at the end. And then Randy comes out and says that he will not fight Bray. It's, so is that bullshit? Is that true? Chris, how did you feel about it? Uh, it's a bullshit, first and foremost. Like he's, They've been building that Randy Orton is the snake in the grass, but sometimes the snake can be your... Like, that, like Brace had promos about the qualms he has with bringing Randy into the fold the entire time. Yeah. So they've been building on it. They just don't do a good job of keeping it consistent. And that's more of the announcer's problem. Like, uh, that's thing, that shit you can talk about instead of, like, telling me what's trending on Twitter. Like, <laughs> there's other things that you could be talking about. Like, JR was great at it. Like, he would remember, like, three months back, like, oh, yeah, this is what was happening. Um, so it's, you know, that, that stuff from the announcer. They have four announcers. You figure one of the motherfuckers would remember it. Um, the match itself was fine. I do. I, I did think that spot was funny, but that just comes with working with John Cena. Cause like I said, he called the spots in the ring. Um, Bray Wyatt's similar because his dad is, uh, was, was a professional wrestler for forever. I'm sure he does a similar thing. And then AJ, looked, that by the way, by the way, I looked in his family lineage. I didn't realize that he's related to fucking blackjack Mulligan. Like it's, it's that huge family. Mike Rotunda is his dad, right? Yes. So yeah, there, there's big. lineage there. So they, those three work really well in the ring together. Um, it was a good match. Uh, and I like that, you know, he's the one that got attacked. Like, he got attacked before the match, and he still got the win, which makes him look strong going into WrestleMania. It doesn't necessarily mean anything because he's going against Randy Orton, but it does make him look strong, at least going into WrestleMania. See, I would like to see the three of them end up going into WrestleMania against each other. Uh, for whatever reason, just completely split down the middle. It would make sense if what you're saying, because it makes a lot of sense that Randy Orton this whole entire time has been just being a snake, and now he's going to screw over. Maybe that was all of his master plan in the first place. He's going to screw over Bray for the title. But just the three of them would be a good match, too. 
I don't know how they're going to do it. Juwan, how do you feel? Um, the one thing that upset me was I felt as though the match was too short. I wish maybe they had yeah. cut like a couple promos or a match or two uh, throughout the night that they could have made this like at least uh, a 30-minute, 30 35-minute match. Um, I thought they didn't need to end the show with Randy Orton and Bray having that uh, somewhat discussion together. I thought it would have been a way better thing if the show ended with Bray celebrating and then Randy Orton's music hits and then they just have like a stare off and then the show ends that way. Um, I thought the interaction could have been done like at the beginning of next week's uh, show, but I thought that was a really great triple threat match that should have been longer, Uh, mainly because the likelihood of us seeing the three of them have a match again uh, of that high caliber I don't want to say it's slim to none, but it, it, it'll be a long time before it happens again. And I just think that that should have been a longer match. It was it was really entertaining. The best match to me of, of the night, um, and it should have just have been longer. I can see what you're saying on that, Chris. Do you got anything else? Uh, no, I agree completely. If they would, But that just goes back to how they book shit. They book matches too short. That should have been an important match. He's 100% right. That match should have been 15 to 20 minutes at least. Um, yep. But that's that's just not how WWE books TV, unfortunately. I said the same thing about Raw earlier. Why does Tazawa have wrestling a three-minute match? Like, the dude wrestles 45 minutes in New Japan. You bring him over for a three-minute spot. Like, I don't... Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you on that. Um, so I get, we're, bril- we're building to... Bray and Randy. Um, well, apparently this this is a thing, and I guess we can do it before this, the the questions. Um, is it was just announced that uh, Dana Bryan said that there's going to be a battle royal next week on SmackDown to, fi- to figure out the number one contender. So I'm wondering if Luke Harper wins, Randy actually ends up screwing over Bray Wyatt for whatever reason. It's the three of them. Um, who knows? Uh, I guess we'll move on to the questions. Anything else from uh, the shows you guys want to talk about? Well, based on that Daniel Bryan comment, it would make sense if, unfortunately, if Luke Harper helps Bray retain in some format in a three-way match. Because I don't necessarily think they're sold on giving Orton the title again. He's a little injury-prone, and I, I don't know that – I think they're trying to get new people over. It would be awesome if Luke Harper won it, like, that would be amazing if he fucked both of them and won the title. But they're definitely not going to do that, even though he's cut the best promos out of the past two weeks. <laughs> and had well, like, I, one hell of a match yeah. at a pay-per-view, but I, 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 I don't see this, it happening. I will say this. If Randy doesn't win at WrestleMania, it's honestly possibly, like, to me, it makes that entire Royal Rumble match, like, a waste. Baron Corbin could have won. Um, and I would have been fine if he didn't, uh, you know, if he didn't win at WrestleMania or something like that. But for you to have Randy Orton win and then not give him the title at WrestleMania, it was just like a waste of a Royal Rumble winner, uh, honestly. And I agree, he shouldn't win it because he is uh, uh, injury-prone and because I do think Bray should have it for a while. But then you should have given uh, uh, the Royal Rumble match to somebody that if you did have lose to Bray Wyatt, we wouldn't have had such an issue with. Um, or I even have Samoa Joe win the Royal Rumble and go on to face Owens or somebody at WrestleMania. But giving it to Orton and then not letting Orton win is, to me, just super stupid. 
I think I think I my rebuttal why. to that would be uh, like they've done that with John Cena before. They've done it with other people before. Um, so it wouldn't be that surprising. WWE does dumb shit all the time, but absolutely with the way injuries are <laughs> happening recently that I mean that throws a kibosh in your entire plan like we don't know who was like if Finn was supposed to come out at 30 then this would be a whole different conversation so we don't know what the conversation behind the scenes was on that I mean technically you could have Joe come out and win like clean and they didn't do that so obviously they had some plug there whether it be they were talking to Kenny Omega or they were talking to Joe, or they were talking to several people, because they just randomly inserted Roman Reigns. So yeah. it he was in the match you know, already. It, Why was it? So it seems like they they called that it. shit on the fly, and I, I wouldn't, you know, if Randy Orton lose, loses, it doesn't. I, I don't think it hurts him at all. He's like what a thirteen time champion, fourteen time champion. So unless they're gonna have him tie John Cena. There's not really much there for him, which that him that would probably be next year's WrestleMania is Randy Orton wins the title twice and then he somehow ties and then you know they both wrestle in a handicap match against Triple H and Triple H wins. <laughs> I love that reasoning. It doesn't make any sense, but yeah, it does make a lot of sense. Uh, you got to break the fucking shovel out, man. Somebody's got to get buried around here. I, Triple H is in town. I want, when I come on, I want, I want a giant rainbow of fire. And, uh, <laughs> and I want to beat Samoa Joe and uh, Alberto Del Rio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, how does he talk like that? Oh, God. All right, let's get on to these... Uh, these topics, guys, before we uh, end our night. Good show, by the way. All right, first one. So apparently Mick Foley is going to be getting replaced uh, soon by Kurt Angle. Uh, Mick misses his family again, which, you know, is understandable. And uh, I was hoping they were going to use Kurt in a wrestling capacity. I don't think they said that he can't, but it usually is a separate gimmick. Uh, well, it's usually filled by guys that are retired or on the bench. So, um but it'll be great to see Kurt Angle nonetheless coming to Raw. I still think that if you got Kurt Angle, man, I mean, I like Daniel Bryan on SmackDown, but it's like if you had, if you could convince Steve to come in for a fucking couple months as Raw's general manager and Kurt Angle with SmackDowns or someone of that caliber, if it's Steve Austin and Kurt Angle, that could be a lot of fun television, and just having him there would be great. But, you know, obviously – Steve's enjoying being retired, and I don't even know if there's been talks over that or anything like that, but uh, just this whole entire concept of uh, Kurt Angle coming into Raw to take over for Mick Foley, how do you like it, Chris? Um, Kurt Angle's fine. I, I can see Mick. I, I, honestly, when they did that, I thought he did that as a favor for having his own TV show on the network. And then his daughter completely gave up on being a WWE superstar recently. So I feel like that he felt like he needed to repay them or something for that whole holy foley yeah. thing. So he, he did this and him going home makes sense. Like, you know, I love Mick. Mick, Mick was great. He did a lot of dumb shit in his career, like 12 unprotected headshots from the rock, which was supposed to be like three, but um, it's going to be sad at the same time losing Mick, but it'll be great having Kurt Angle there. What I hope that they don't do is play up this 
obsession that Stephanie McMahon had with Kurt Angle from this angle from like 12 fucking years ago and like have her flirting with Kurt Angle and then you get Kurt Angle versus Triple H at like SummerSlam or something. Like, please, God, don't oh, make that be oh. what happened. But now what would be great is someone asked Kurt Angle for a match, say Sami Zayn, and then Kurt Angle's like, yeah, that's fine, but you have to actually beat me. And then they have a wrestling match or something. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with Kurt Angle because he can still fucking go. Like, you know, if they're going to – if they clear him. If they clear him and they let him do Kurt Angle, I mean, you might even have a draft where Miz moves over to Raw, and then they do the same gimmick that they're doing with fucking – Daniel Bryan right now, who can't wrestle a match, which is hilarious. Like, I don't know who's going to defend Daniel Bryan in that scenario. He does the same thing with Kurt Angle, and then Kurt Angle was like, well, it's cool, let's just have a match. And then they have a match, or, you know, there's tons of stuff you can do with Kurt Angle that you can't necessarily do with Nick. And it's not Nick's fault. Nick's gotten in a lot better shape, and he loves his family, and that's great. You should go home and be with him. Like, I, I don't expect anything else out of Nick Foley. If I never saw him again in the wrestling business, it, it wouldn't hurt my feelings. Like, uh, I appreciate everything he does, and he's a super nice guy. I've met him yeah. a couple times. I have I, – everyone always talks about him being, like, the nicest guy ever. So, if he wants to go home, like, let him go home. Kurt Angle can fill his shoes. There's so many other people that you can get to fill that void that it's not that big of a deal, to be completely honest. And having Stephanie McMahon shit on him is just, like – it's cringeworthy, and it's not needed. Yeah. So. Um, I honestly, when you first told me about this, I was like, no, that sounds great. And then I I sat on it and I was just like, I kind of want to see angle out there, angle slamming people, uh, and then hitting them with the ankle lock. And I hope if this is true, him being a GM doesn't stop him from still wrestling. I mean, Triple H is an owner or COO, whatever the hell fake title they gave him, and he's still wrestling people. So I hope Kurt Angle is the kind of guy that's like, yeah, sure, I'll do SummerSlam or Survivor Series or WrestleMania um, because I, I still want to see um, Kurt Angle and Lesnar go at it again. Uh, those are some of my favorite matches. Um, but, yeah, no, that that's great news. Mick Foley should kind of step away a little bit. Because, like you said, Stephanie does unfairly poop on him a lot. And I know it might be scripted, but it still comes off as, like, super harsh. Because uh, it kind of seems personal. It doesn't seem like they're just making something up for, like, a rivalry. So that kind of always has bothered me. Yeah. I- I'm looking forward to it. When it does happen, it'll be a good transition. And I really hope that Chris is right with that whole potential, you know, Kurt um, making them – face him before they face their opponent they're trying to get a title shot from. That that would be awesome. That would be something that no one's ever done. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, let's get to the next topic. we got ten minutes left and uh, enough time to cover these two, I think, pretty easily. This will be a quick one. Um, and I, I, I've talked to both of you guys about this, but I, I, I know that wrestlers are on the road a hell of a lot more, and there's a lot more events, and there's a lot more to do than back in the day. But even, I mean, back in those days, people were traveling around, constantly going through territories, and winning belts and stuff, and uh, I feel like now it's way too easy to get a title shot, or at least a title, and those titles don't really mean anything because they can be taken away two months later for the story angle's purpose, so all the prestige that once was the title, or back in the day when wrestlers like Jake the Snake Roberts didn't win anything, um, uh, Roddy Brady Piper only got the Intercontinental title once, 
uh, you know, we were talking about earlier, obviously he's never going to get to Bruno San Martino level where he's up for years or, or under the Giants record or anything like that, but I just feel they should let, outside of the New Day, them have the titles for, like, a little while and kind of, like, grow to be a champion for that type of, like, time period. I want to know the amount of champions that, that have been added to the overall amount in the WWE between um, – the end of the Attitude Era and onward, basically ruthless aggression and onward. How many, if it outdoes the amount from before? And I think it would, actually. Uh, maybe it's just me just uh, putting the question out there. Real, you know, how do you feel about it, uh, Juwan? Um, I kind of agree with you. I think it all depends on who it is that, um, you know, that they're giving the title to for a long time because, the New Day having the titles for as long as they did was like a bore fest after a while. And, you know, sometimes Stales, John Cena has it for a year and a half. You know, so it, it all depends. If if all the new talent are the ones that have it for like a little over a year or a year and a half, um, I'm completely fine with that. Like Kevin Owens, if Kevin Owens had it for like two years, I'd be like, yep, I'm I'm good with that. Uh, so it all depends, but I, I do agree with you. I think um, it doesn't take as much to be a uh, number one contender or uh, win a title. It's just story. It's not – I mean, it's always been story, but it's been more entertaining the journey of someone, uh, you know, traveling down the path of that. And now it's just like it's granted, so. Yeah, and I'm not even saying, like, you know uh... – two years, although that would be crazy because I don't think that's been done in a long time, but, like, maybe a six-month run or, like, a four-month run. Like, it seems like it's, like, boom, all right, next person, all right, back to that person. And it's been a trend for, you know, since uh, the mid-2000s. Chris, how do you feel? Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the brand split and having two separate heavyweight titles, and both those count as getting the same title. A lot of it has to do with that. They don't talk about how one title is more important than the other. I mean, like, Edge is, what, Edge had the title, like, seven times or something, I want to say. Like, he was specifically on SmackDown. So, when you split your rosters, there's less top talent to spread that around with. Not saying that you shouldn't split your rosters or have two separate shows, but you should definitely separate out the title counts. Like, I'm a this many time WWE champion, I'm this many WWE Universals, or World world heavyweight champions, or they need to do a better job of splitting that stuff out. Um, all that being said, like the big the big elephant in the room is the Sasha title run, uh, or not Sasha. Well, Sasha and, and Charlotte specifically switching the title so much, but they're building towards them. I mean, to be fair, they're like the best feud in the past. I don't know, like five years, as far as like an actual yeah. feud between two people. So even though they're doing that, like that feud is still. Honestly, you they respect and hate each other, and you feel it like when they wrestle each other, and that's that's good. If you're using titles in that scenario, then it's fine. The difference between the territories is is you had a bunch of territories under one person, and then the champion went and wrestled all those places. So the champion would hold the title forever because there was honestly people that just didn't want to be the champion, like that just honestly didn't want to travel that much or wrestle in that many different places, and would rather like lose to Ric Flair or do what they have, what's called Broadway, which is a 60-minute draw, which means they don't lose, the time just expires, which they don't do in wrestling anymore. If they did that, then you could get away with not having the title change as much. 
if you had a time limit draw, like a 15-minute match or a 30-minute match with a time limit, and it's a time limit draw, and you bring that back, you don't have to switch the title and make someone look weak. You can switch the title and just make both people look great, whether one person's cheating for that title or not. So there's ways to book around that, and um, I haven't done the best of it. So I agree with you with flip-flopping the titles is bad. But at the same point, it's, you have to have a star that's able to carry that title. Like you, right now they're using the title as a gimmick to get the match over. Um, and if the gimmick's not worth anything, then no one gives a shit. So it's kind of one of those weird spots. Like the NJ, the NJPW title is a perfect example because, you know, one guy will hold that for a long period of time and it means a lot as opposed to, uh, as opposed to WWE, but also that star is the most over person in their company. And and you saw that with Stone Cold and you've, you've seen that with the rock, like those people hold the title for long periods of time. The most recent example I can think of CM Punk. And he held the title for, like I said earlier, it was over yeah. 300 days or something. It was like close to the whole Hogan reign of holding the title. And the other thing is building up your undercard titles. Make those more sought after. Have a person run with that title for a long period of time, and they did that with uh, with uh, you know Kevin Owens and uh, John Cena. They just didn't follow up on it, which is the problem. No, I agree. Yeah, and I I like the amount of titles that they're giving people because now because if 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 you have that UK title, uh, you know that gives someone to really represent that title and put you know, prestige of that title, the cruiserweight division, what they've done. So there are a lot of good things. I just would like to see it cut down. Um, you know, just get, give people a run. Let, let them let them go for it. And like you said, rivalries. Really bring that back, like a long rivalry uh, between people, like they did with Charlotte and Sasha, you know, more often. It would be nice. That's all I'm saying. So, uh, guys, we're getting down to the uh, end of our show. Uh, thank you for listening, by the way. Uh, one of the subjects we'll be talking about next week was one of the subjects that we didn't get a chance to get to, but, hey, we had a good show, so it doesn't matter. Uh, so we'll talk about possibly Triple H building this new stable, villain stable with Samoa Joe and KO and maybe uh, Gallo and Anderson uh, in the future. But great show, guys. Um, hope you're enjoying listening. Definitely check in. Um, let us know, Geek Vibes. It's you that will make this thing keep on going, basically. So if you want us to keep the lights on, just keep on giving us money. Um, and if you really want to give us actual money, I will give you my address personally via Facebook. So uh, just, you know, message me. But anyways, uh, Juwan, um, thanks for being on the show, buddy. Uh, do you want to say goodnight? Uh, yeah, sure. Goodbye, people. Goodbye, people. All right, I like that. Uh, Chris, do <laughs> you want to sign off to everyone? Yo, goodnight, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. All right, well. For the millions in attendance and the thousands all over the world, ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready for the end of the fucking show. Thanks for listening, guys. Keep it geeky. Peace out.